I mean, don't do something within the first three months of your baby's life, I reckon. An experience podcast was really cool, like making yourself go through a thing. I used to talk with Lewis about that all the time because there's always articles about like, I quit sugar for a year. I um, didn't have sex for a year or whatever. It's like a great leaping off point for a book or something. And I, so I always knew in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I could do a thing where I don't do a thing. <laughs> Waste. That's it. That's my thing. So yeah, that's that'd be a great way if you're thinking of making a podcast, stop doing a thing and document your journey about stopping doing the thing. Hi, I'm Jules, and with me as always is Anthony. Hello. Today we're speaking with Veronica Milsom of Zero Waste Baby. It's an eight-part comedy documentary podcast where Veronica attempts to do the first three months of her newborn's life waste-free, which is one hell of an undertaking. I'm actually on the cusp of parenthood myself, so found the subject matter super interesting. How far out are you? Three months left to go. Not even. We have two months left to go. Two and a half. Exciting. We have about two and a half months left to go. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Linz and I, my wife, we were listening to this in the car as we were going around and doing all of the things that, you know, we found out throughout the podcast that maybe you shouldn't do, but, you know, it's our first baby. So there is, you know, part of the, part of the excitement about it is just collecting a whole bunch of things. And I was happy to share with Veronica that we were doing things like reusable nappies and all that sort of stuff. So So it's helpful. It was very helpful and it was very fun and engaging. I mean, as I said, there were eight parts, but pretty short and we were able to get through them basically in the drive out to Ikea and back. As you know, prepping for the show is sometimes very tough. We try and consume as much content as possible around a podcast of the people we interview before we interview them. This is so easy. Eight episodes, 20 minutes per episode just snack through them and the jumping off point would just be started episode one yeah that's right jump through the whole thing we've we've done it before where we've sort of done a few at the start and a few at the middle or you know in the dragon friends just tried to do a whole season but yeah this one yeah it was only eight episodes so we were able to do that really easily and super easy like it's really well produced i'll give it to the podcast one team they know what they're doing in terms of producing content and veronica's a pro it's smart it's funny it's easy listening and uh, you learn a lot watch out for the music when you listen to this podcast it was done by veronica's brother who's a bit of a emerging podcast mogul as well absolutely might have to get him on absolutely and we can get on big mill as well well enough from us why don't we just dive right in veronica why don't you tell us about zero waste baby So the podcast basically is about me attempting to save the environment single-handedly by um, having zero waste while I raise my newborn baby in the first three months of her life, but then ongoing as well. Uh, And it was disastrously hard, but also fun and challenging. And this is your second baby, but your first podcast that you've done? It is, yeah. And my first like comedy pod, um, comedy documentary podcast. So I'd never really made a documentary before. And I think I just bluffed my way through um, the process with Podcast One, just telling them like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. I can totally do this. And then admitted it about, you know, two months in the writing process. So I was like, so just so you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, no, all good. You seem to be like totally on track. So it was um, a quite, uh, there were a lot of learning moments, I'll say, as far as like recording way too much, which I think everybody, a mistake everyone will make um, when they're doing a documentary probably. But I did a lot of journaling, like diarising moments uh, through the first three months of my baby's life and even took a microphone into the birth suite. So that was real 
Real footage. Yes. Real footage, real audio. Yes, it was. Um, and the, I think the nurse thought I was crazy. And maybe I am. And then I'm listening back to it because I did sort of all the edit notes. And I was like, why, why did I do this? <laughs> this is so horrible to listen back to. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've never had a kid. But anecdotally, I've heard through friends and pop culture that the first three months of a newborn's life is quite a challenging time. What, what possessed you, you to do to, this? Yeah, why did you decide to, to make it more challenging? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I wanted to actually do something about the environment and I thought um, I would make a podcast to document the entire thing. So it's legit that I really wanted to do something. Um, and that I had a conversation with my husband when I was about six months pregnant where we were lying in bed and I was just looking at all of the horrible things going on um, over, across summer, you know, like Amazon rainforest was burning, the whole of Australia was burning, yeah. um, droughts, everything that could possibly go wrong to do with the environment was. I was like, why are we bringing a kid into this world? I was like, it's too late now. Like, I'm very pregnant. I was like, what can I do? What sort of a voice can I possibly have? And I was like, maybe there's this, you know, I can try to reduce the waste and I can try to inspire other people to do the same thing. So it was a bloody noble cause. Um, and then actually the first three months um, aren't as tricky as it gets a bit later on because they sleep quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it, yeah, it got harder the longer I went through the process where I had um, Zoe, my baby, would go to sleep and I knew that I had 45 minutes to quickly write a script. Um, yeah, which was it kept me to a good time schedule actually. Like it was good to know that you had little moments of pockets of time, yep. <laughs> but very stress-inducing at the same time. So um, you, you've this first, uh, sorry, this is your first podcast, but you obviously come from radio, um, and your husband uh, Nick was a TV producer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You both came into this with a little bit of knowledge about you know how to create a show, but it was the first time podcasting. I mean, what were the kind of big differences that you found straight off the bat, really? Between TV and oh, radio, radio and, and podcasting. Podcast, yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing is just the freedom in podcasting, isn't it? You can go for as long as you want or as short as you want. Um, there's such time restraints on the radio. You know, there's the clock, which is um, divided up into pieces where you like segment, song, segment, news, um, headlines or whatever. And it was just an open... Uh, book you know you could do whatever you possibly wanted um which was freeing but also terrifying so I think that that was a really big difference the other big difference was being by myself mm. you know without Lewis and I ended up getting him on board for one of the episodes because I thought a great talent b I want to make a placenta into a sausage roll who will be completely disgusted by this Lewis, yeah. he will give me exactly what I need. Um, and I also just thought it was probably like a good transition for getting Triple J listeners to, you know, be able to hear and understand me having been on the radio with him and then what we would sound like when I was hosting something and he was on it too. Mm, good yeah. way to tap into your audience base. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Plus I knew that the Triple J audience, like I know them very well because I've spent such a long time on Triple J and I know that they care deeply about the environment too. So I was like, oh, this will be something that they will care about as well. And you ended up at – the podcast ended up at Podcast One. Seems like a few ex-Triple Js have Doesn't ended up there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, Linda Mariano as well. It's wild. So, yeah, Tom Tilly, Matt and Alex, Linda and Linda and Brooke, me. I think, are they? Or? That's right. Yeah. Brooke as well. Jeez. 
Yeah, and I think that Sam Kavanagh, who looks after the Daily Turnaround podcast of Podcast One now, he used to listen to Treble J all the time um, and was uh, sometimes texting in and stuff and or getting in touch with people. So I think he secretly loves Triple J. Don't know if I should say that. Ah, it's probably <laughs> yeah, open about. It. I mean, it's <laughs> it's obvious now, isn't it? <laughs> so did Sam Cav come for you, or did you put something in front of them? How did it? Well, happen? so I put something in front of them initially, and was sort of shopping around who I thought would be a good fit. Um, but I also was keen on Podcast One because of the old stereo link and. The thing about Triple J is there's not a very obvious career path of where to go afterwards. Like there's some people like the doctor who's working in regional local radio or, um, you know, Robbie Buck or you know Adam Spencer or whatever, people who go to, on to work in local radio. Um, but I was like, oh, well, I have worked in commercial radio before. Maybe I'll entertain the idea of hopefully working in commercial radio again. Oz Stereo could be the place that I, you know. Good gateway. Yeah, maybe. I thought that that could be an opportunity. So that was why I chose Podcast One. And then, um, yeah, they should have headhunted me though, shouldn't they? It's embarrassing that they didn't. <laughs> they headhunted everybody else. <laughs> we can edit this and say that they did. Maybe that would be better. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so you're about six months in and you're discussing, you know, what this show might be. What was the what was the kind of pitch process like when you took that idea forward? So, yeah, when I took the pitch to Podcast One, um, I said that I wanted it to be like way more like bite-sized chunks, like uh, eight-minute episodes or whatever. And I think originally it was had oh, it was way more stunty in the beginning. Oh, God, I got pretty stunty by the end. I worked with Jen Goggin, who is one of the amazing producers there, who was so hands-on. And um, her attention to detail is ridiculous. She was just a joy through the entire process. So she really led me through because she's worked in BBC um, documentaries and stuff and enjoyed my comedy and I did hers too. So um, she held my hand through the process and I think we sort of um, massaged what the concept was over time. Mm-hmm. And did you write out, because it's it's eight episodes, uh, you know, they are about 20 minutes, just a little bit less each one. Yeah. Um, did you map out what this kind of first three months was going to look like and the kind of things you were going to try and hit along the way? I've got a, I've got a child, my first, coming in June. Ooh. So where, well, probably more me, I'm shitting myself a little bit trying to figure out what the first three months is going to involve. So I can only imagine trying to wedge in this kind of narrative around what's going on there as well. What was that like? Uh, yeah, well, just firstly, I never would have been able to make this podcast with my first baby. No. The only reason I could with my second is because I knew what to expect. And also, like, you don't know what sort of baby you're going to get. And I was just hedging my bets that I would get a good one. Radio-friendly baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And luckily, um, I did. But so your question is... About sort of uh, creating the narrative or did you do that a lot up front or did you kind of let it just roll through and and speak to different people as you went along? So I knew exactly what I was going to hit in each episode, so different um, themes in each. So one I knew I was going to focus on nappies and I knew it was going to be controversial because I talked to Craig Rucastle. I did all the interviews beforehand and I I knew Craig Rucastle had said that – 
there's not necessarily like it's negligible the difference that you can make to the environment with either cloth or reusable. And there's like if you're listening to this right now and you're like, what? There are a couple of um, caveats there. Listen to the podcast. But um, so I knew that he'd said a, a bombshell, which could be good, and that I could like reverse engineer some of the stuff. It was a real jigsaw puzzle and working it all out, way more than I thought it would be. Um, but, yeah, I'd plotted out that there was going to be one about um, using no nappies at all, one about food, one about um, the, you know, aftermath of the birth, the placenta and all that sort of stuff. What are you thinking of doing with your placenta? I don't think I'm going to be eating it. I mean, the recipe did sound nice. Jerky. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> jerky. The pill form is a potential, but look, I think that we might dispose of the placenta. Yeah, just burn it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the most common route, route yeah. you know, that people go down, so... There's no shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> I was. We are trying to be sort of as conscious of of waste as we can, and and yeah. we've got our, re, our reusable nappies ready to go on a oh, little shelf and everything. Yeah. So I was thrilled to hear you know during this I was listening with my wife as we were going around doing baby prep things awesome. and just hearing that you know a lot of parents also do have one or two disposable ones for the evening was thank you very much for including that <laughs> <laughs> oh totally and yeah the bamboo ones are really good and so yeah I'd spoken to a bunch of influencer people at the time I think um podcast one was very interested in me getting people involved who had an audience already so yep. we could sort of draw on which is very common at the moment, you're like, how many Instagram followers mm. do they have? Oh, we'll maybe get them on board. You're like, oh, I hate this world of that bullshit. Um, yeah, there's a, there must be a shitload of, of, you know, parent influencers to get through. Yeah. To decide I, on the right one. Well, I mean, I focus particularly on zero waste mm. parent influencers. So they're a slightly more narrow field. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it, it they were great actually. They were fantastic and led me in a lot of the right directions. So th- they were who I spoke to first and then that kind of um, led me to the next thing of going, oh, maybe I should have an episode about that. The biggest downfall about the eight episodes and 20 minutes of each, which like if you're thinking of making a podcast and listening – is something I wouldn't have thought of before. It's just having something evergreen, yes, great, mm. but I wish that I'd done something that more carried over week to week. It's basically lost in Never Never Land now. You know, the podcast? It's so hard for people to find things unless they're popping up as a notification or constantly popping up in their feed as a a weekly podcast. Yeah, it almost needs to go into some sort of curriculum or course where people go, look, if you want to know about this, go here. But as opposed to... Yeah, it's not popping up every week. It is tough. Yeah. Well, you kind of got to just make something where people can discover a new episode weekly. Otherwise, Mm. it's way too difficult to find. Yeah, you're almost in the audible space at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Although at least people don't have to pay for it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Were you rele- so you were releasing them week by week though over that period? Yes. And sort of uh, fine tuning as you went through or did you do a lot of the recording and editing up front? We were probably a couple of episodes ahead, so um, maybe three weeks ahead each yeah, okay. time. But my brother was making all the music for them, um, all like original compositions for each bit and uh, I think he was getting to the point where he was like run off his feet. I also didn't pay him ever <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for being a genius who is doing this for free um, and that I'm making you work so quickly. Is that what he does or is it something outside the box for him as well? Yeah, he's like a – he was a lawyer and now he's become a podcast tycoon. 
Um, right. Yeah. So <laughs> he started off by um, quitting his job as a lawyer and then he was like, I'll make a podcast about the law. It was called The Rule Book. This was ages ago, maybe like eight years ago or something. And then he started to just get interested in making podcasts. He's also a musician. So now he composes music for podcasts and um, produces them too. So he worked on like Nazim's Audible podcast. Right. And he's just now, is it's his full-time job. He can't, there's not enough hours in the day for the amount of podcasts he produces. And with a whole heap of Melbourne comedians. So you thought you'd just wedge in a bit more for free. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> but he's a sweet contact for me to have, actually. He's pretty handy. He read all through all of my script. And um, he's just had a kid as well, so yeah. yeah, it all made a lot of sense. So he's been doing this for the past eight years. I mean, when did you start thinking about doing one yourself? Well, I knew. I mean, there was no chance while Triple J was on. Mm. Veronica and Lewis show had a podcast, but I think we had like forty thousand listeners a week or something, and it just wasn't enough to for the Triple J to say that it was worth continuing. Huh. Whereas people now are like, who cares? Like 5,000 heaps or something. Okay. Um, but I think back then they were like, no, that's just nothing. It's We're not going to put resources towards that. So we stopped having a podcast um, from like year two of the drive show. And it means nothing exists online. Right. They, if, if I try to listen back to a show now, it's nowhere. It's so weird, even as an archive or as something that you could go, oh, I liked those guys. Um, I listened to the podcast. No, no, there was none. Wow. When you say it was a podcast, was it sort of traditional radio to podcast version where it's yeah. all of the talking, none of the music? and Yes, exactly. Okay. And the interviews, it was sort of um, compilations, which people don't do anymore. And then there was a process at the ABC where they were talking about would we like to pitch a segment as a podcast um, or a brand new idea, which was completely outside of anything on air that we could make as a podcast. But nothing ever... Nah, it's a bureaucracy. Nothing. It's hard to make stuff happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how much the world's shifted, though, in such a short period of time. Yeah, isn't it? That now it's just all more about like quantity, just like getting stuff out in people's faces. Um, is that what you mean? Yeah, and I'm sure you and Lewis could probably walk a podcast in the door at Podcast One if you wanted to, if you were yeah. inclined, and there'd be tons of interest. Yeah, oh, totally. But I think that um, there's just it's so under-resourced at Triple J that they were like, we've got this guy that we could be getting to make videos for Facebook or something. We're not going to get him to make you know, a compilation, which wouldn't have taken I think that's how Mark Fennell started out at FBI. He yeah. was just turning all the radio shows to podcasts and that's where he cut his teeth. Is that right? And then yeah. he was on that SBS movie show yeah. where he yeah. had that um, big fro and yes. it was super cute. Yeah. I love looking at old photos of Mark Fennell. <laughs> <laughs> so with all the guests that you had, you, you did speak to all of them up front and then kind of just... Uh, work out how they were going to fit in within the structure as you went along? That's right. And they was in the middle of the pandemic. So that was in about March in 2020. I did all of the interviews. So they're all on Zoom and I'd never used Zoom before because it was kind of like just new. Yeah. And I didn't know that I was supposed to be getting people to record audio that wasn't through Zoom, you mm. know, that whole record it separately situation. So a bunch of the audio was like fucked and um, I, I interviewed one girl twice there was lots of trial and error in the whole thing and then the transcriptions and oh gosh it's actually such a night in hindsight i'm like oh i should make another podcast and then the more i talk about it i'm like oh no i remember (laughs) how do you find it from like a comedy point of view because i know that like we've done a few over zoom and and depending on what you know each the internet connection's like 
there can be a bit of a delay, which can Ugh. really cause some problems if you're trying Horrible. to be clever. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. But I think it was the experience that I'd had in radio really did help for having those one-on-one chats with people where I was working on the fly going, oh, that exact bit I'll use. Oh, that exact, exact bit I'll use, which is kind of just like what, like I was editing in my brain. So that was handy. And, yeah, there weren't too many laggy, uncomfortable moments that you heard in the final product anyway. <laughs> Very good editing. And how quickly, oh, how early in the process did you interview Craig? Because he kind of debunks the name of the show yes. straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Craig was the hardest guy to pin down. He was the busy- busiest man at that point and I really wanted to meet him face-to-face because I knew that he would appear in multiple episodes. So I didn't want it to be via Zoom and I also, I love the painting a picture of where you're meeting someone and things happening in the cafe and stuff so I knew that I wanted that to happen um so I I was calling him I was like actually harassing him quite a lot and saying I really want to interview you my for my podcast and he was like okay 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 um I was like I can come to your house and he was like no let's meet at a cafe yeah (laughs) please don't um and so because that was the thing I'd talked to Mark Fennell on the phone and he had said to me one of the really good lessons that I've learned about interviewing someone is get them to do a thing while you're talking to them because it's a great breaker. Um, so, for example, in one of his podcasts I was listening to, um, the guns one or whatever, there was a guy uh, teaching him how to use a gun and polishing guns while they were doing an interview. It's also a great way to relax the talent and just make free them up. To If they're doing something with their hands, they'll be more likely to just be um, open in the interview. So I was like, Craig, can I come to your house and maybe we can sort through your bins or do something <laughs> waste-related? And uh, he was like, no, let's meet at a cafe. And so we ate breakfast and, I mean, I don't think I needed to loosen up Craig. He's like one of the most experienced uh, media talent going around. But, yeah, I think it gave us something to talk about, particularly because there was just like mozzies absolutely everywhere in this cafe that we're in and I had this like eight-week-old baby or something that I was terrified was going to get bitten. So you've got the baby in one hand and the microphone in the other? Yeah. Oh, wow. I did that the whole way. And then, it yeah, it was so hard. <laughs> I arrived at this one woman, the placenta um, woman who... Virginia Maddock? Oh, my gosh, what? Thank you for knowing that. The people don't realise that we have a screen in front of us, so oh. <laughs> we'll edit that <laughs> out. That's not, that's not making the cut. <laughs> yeah, so Virginia Maddock, um, she's the placenta in capsule... Yes, Virginia Maddox, the placenta encapsulator. So she, um, I turned up to her house and she was like, hi, thanks for coming. And it's always awkward. I'm like arrived alone to a stranger's house. And I was like, oh, do you mind if I, um, can I breastfeed the baby? So I breastfed um, the baby for a while while we just had a casual conversation while I was like talking to her about things in her house. And I was like, do you mind if we record this casual conversation? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird being your own producer in times like that. Um, where you're sort of vulnerable, let alone lugging a kid around the whole time. Yeah, at least, I mean, you're talking to people who are sort of in that field and, and you know, after the same kind of things you are. So I guess it's, it's That's good. That's true. Yeah, that. That, and especially because she um, was like a maternal health nurse or something. So, she, yeah, she was actually quite handy. She was like, oh, just lift her head up a bit. <laughs> She's not latched properly. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> did you, ha- I mean, did she have like, walls of placentas around her like what was the house aliens or something oh well so she had this uh laundry off the side of the house where she did all of the encapsulating and it is rotten like 
a, just a big hunk of flesh, like a, an organ essentially. It looks like a cow pat, but it's blood and guts and stuff. I mean, it's not. Um, but she loved it. Yeah. She had such fondness for the fondness for the placenta, and um, she would, you know, cut it up really lovingly and. She she just loved the whole process of birth and yeah. that was really inspiring actually. That that process seems to vary obviously depending on what your birth is like. I think my, my sister hated her placenta by the end of it. This was a yeah. you know, something that she never wanted to see again. Whereas other people, yeah, I guess they cook it. So yeah. <laughs> and really quite a spectrum. Yeah, eat on it for months. I had super easy births, so I um, saw the whole thing in quite a fine light. But, yeah, some people who have, you know, three-day labours or something, horrible. Yeah, yeah, I would want to incinerate that placenta. <laughs> Absolutely. And you spoke to a very interesting spectrum of people. Yeah, some like some pretty out there kind of points of view. I think there was, you oh, know, Maha? someone up in Byron yes. Bay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Maha Amusa was so great. So she was really generous, actually. This is a woman who um, breastfed her kid until the she was eight. And so like until the kid. I actually kept meaning to make jokes about this in the podcast when I was talking about the mum or the girl, but it got way too convoluted. She breastfed her kid until her kid was eight years old, um, so well into primary school. And she talked about the horrible way that the media has dealt with her in the past. And so I did feel quite privileged that she was trusting me that I wasn't going to fuck her over essentially. And I really wanted to um, talk about her and talk to her with, like, the respect that she deserves. It was decisions that she's made. And also... Like, what's right or wrong? I think it's it's like a beautiful thing that she and her child have gone through. And she, like, in every moment of this podcast, my mind really was changed. I was like, maybe it is great to just breastfeed your kid as long as you can because it's just what you – it's like this privilege that's afforded to you and why wouldn't you just do it? And if it makes you feel good, if it makes a kid feel good, who cares about everyone else? Did you find – I suppose if you if your sort of opinions changing that way as it goes on, were there any parts where you thought like, okay, what this person is talking about is a little out there and probably something I wouldn't necessarily do, and I can tell the audience would be finding this maybe a bit funny or informative or however they're reacting yeah. to it. Do you want to like you know insert the comedy in about it as well? Because I mean that's a bit of a it's it's an easy kind of thing to make jokes about if someone breastfeeding you know at eight years old and the kids yeah basically asking you know being able to have a conversation about taste and and everything like that yeah but isn't it way more interesting to just um, let the person talk and yeah. like hear Agreed. what they have to say and how they landed at the decision of doing that she's a fascinating woman who oh, so many things I didn't even get to say about her. Like she belly danced through her birth. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's videos of her doing that online. I can't remember if I said that on. It's mind blowing. It was oh, in there. Oh, yeah. was it? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So the videos are where she's just like her hips are really sensually moving and it's like this experience, <laughs> which is not the thing that I went through when I was giving birth. Nick and I were just like, let's make this happen in and out. Let's yeah. just go home with a baby and make sure nothing went wrong. But she was like, I'm just going to like make sure I, um, you know, really make a moment out of this. And it'll be an, the way that you bring a child into the world is like very much, it will change them as a person. I don't know if that's true, but mm. that's what some people believe. 
Now, I really like how you've approached this. I mean, you've got elimination consultant, or is it elimination communication? Yes, yes, yes. So that's basically no nappies when your kid's ready to go, read the signs and yeah, let them go. But I mean, but that's how we evolved. There's no instruction manual. I mean, yeah, caveman style. I yeah. see. I got to thinking yeah. about that a lot too. That. Um, yeah, when we when did nappies come into play? And there's a whole heap of conspiracy theories about nappies that I didn't even end up getting into. Ooh. That like, you know, there's um, it, oh god, they're mostly American, but um, that in America, people are recommended to have their kids in nappies until they're like two years old, and it's just all a big conspiracy that it's got to do with the big nappy companies and mm. pediatricians are paid off to say that. They should and all this. I mean, which you'd believe. Yeah. It's very easy to it's take It's horrible that for the it? environment, yeah. you know? Yeah. To have so many nappies going into landfill. But that's a whole different area that I didn't even get to in the podcast. Mm. Yeah. It was crazy how streamlined you had to end up getting. Like I had so much stuff on the cutting room floor, which I guess is normal for a yeah. doco. So you know, what was your process then? So you're out there on your own. Well, you're out there with baby in hand, yep. microphones, recording device, yep. and then you're taking all this information and then your brother's doing music. What's <laughs> happening with the editing? So then I would um, take the uh, audio, transcribe that, then I would put an entire script together, send it off to Podcast One, um, and they would send me back an edit plus my brother would uh, do an edit of the script as well. Then it would be um, I would have like time codes and stuff next to all of the grabs. Is this so boring? Is it? No, no, no. This is just what, it, yeah. And then <laughs> time goes next to all of the grabs and then it would be compiled by um, someone at Podcast One, Das, this amazing um, audio engineer. And then I would uh, go in and do the links with literally like the baby strapped to my front. Um, then just try to make sure she didn't make too much noise. She was a bit snuffly at points. You can kind of hear her going <laughs> next to the microphone. Uh, and then I bought my in-law, you know, my mother-in-law in at one point to do some babysitting and it was pretty hard to juggle. But, yeah, I would go into the Podcast One offices and that was like in um, high-level pandemic time too. So, right. yeah, it was it was a weird time to have made something – um, generally, but also a shitty time to have made something about the environment because no one cared about it in 2020. That's right. Single use mm. went out the window. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it was a horrible year for the environment. So I should have made something about being more sanitary or something, you know, like. How'd you go from, I mean, you said initially you were thinking that they were going to be eight minute episodes and then they've ended up at 20. Was the content that you got initially, you know, I imagine it would have been a whole lot longer. Yeah. How yep. did you kind of land on that 20-minute mark and think that that was right? Well, I don't think it was because we thought 20 minutes was user-friendly. I think that we wanted it to be slightly uniform um, between episodes. But also I, I think it was just um, we listened to the episodes through so many times and you'd never think this when you listen to a podcast, all of the bullshit that goes on in the background. Um, listen to it so many times and we're just like, cut that out, it's boring, cut that out, it's boring. So it was, um, we are just brutal about, you know, killing babies, as people <laughs> say. And, um, and then we kind of ended up just getting around the 20-minute mark. Yeah, I don't think there was any sort of hard and fast rule. It's good because a lot of the podcast one podcast come off is very professionally produced, but you've managed to keep in some elements of, the mosquitoes at the cafe, yeah. baby noises, just giving it that texture. They were really into that because they don't have that many podcasts that are like mine um, at Podcast One. I think they do focus more on podcasts which um, 
are sort of turn up weekly or whatever. Yeah. So that I think they're just much easier to sell. The other thing about my podcast, which is so shitty for podcast one, is that it's basically about anti-consumerism. Mm. So it's so tricky to sell ad space for. Yeah, you can't sell the disposable nappies. Yeah. And I, like I got contacted by disposable nappies companies asking if um, they could do ads. And I was like, no, it just, I'm so sorry to reject another ad, but I just, I can't possibly say that I will like endorse it. It was, it was funny hearing, um, I can't remember what the brand was, but you know, you've reached out to try and get a comment from them and it just felt like such Huggies. a missed opportunity yeah. for them not to kind of, you know, at least talk about what they have coming up in this area. That was weird because like, I obviously am not a journalist, but I was doing some high level journalistic sort of investigation work and really hounding them to get in touch with me I really wanted to go to their headquarters and put some tough questions to them and stuff and they just didn't want to speak to me and I was like you know what I'm gonna make you guys sound like shit in the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's my right and they came to try and advertise with you anyway (laughs) well they didn't in particular but yeah (laughs) Mm. Has uh, has Big Mill been offered a podcast from Podcast One yet? Ah, oh, he wishes. <laughs> no, so I have um, spoken with Podcast One and they're like, listen, we'd like to do something with Big Mill. <laughs> he's really good, the isn't he? The star of the show. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, he's just like that um, all the time. Like I can just remember coming back from, you know, netball training or whatever. Everybody's in the Tarago. Dad's driving and he's just like cracking jokes in the front. And just like inappropriate stuff that every you know everyone loves because he's big Mel. Yeah. He's just the Aussiest bloke you'll ever meet, and has no filter. He's he'd be really good, and I think he'd be open to opportunities. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good little family affair. Actually, you had your in laws in there as well. I mean, your yeah, your father in law is a well, how do you put it? A, Urologist. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a dick doctor at some stage. Dick but. doctor, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that was a handy get, actually. And I ended up writing an article um, for ABC Life about elimination communication the other day. And they said, oh, we need you to get an expert who um, is a doctor who really will just tell us whether elimination communication, if there's anything in it, whether it could be bad for a kid. And I asked him if he had any advice for who could be an expert. And he was like, oh, well, me. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Jeez, I've used you as an expert too many times now. But, yeah, it was a real family affair and that's been the whole way through, unfortunately, my whole radio career for my family um, because they just keep getting roped into things. So they're just used to you coming along with the microphone on the off chance that it might end up on a show or a podcast or something? Oh, so much so. Yeah, I did an entire comedy festival show which mostly was based around my mum. So I think she was excited for the spotlight to be not on her for once. (laughs) You feature a dinner in the podcast with your in-laws where you basically ask your father-in-law if he had a vasectomy Yeah. Not oh, a, no, if you do a vasectomy to a, his son, so, his, so your much, husband. There was like a lot of, yes, there was a lot of stuff like that where um, I was like, oh, this will be a funny year if it's a dinner. It wasn't a dinner. Stuff like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. But um, if we're peeking behind the curtain, that was just me um, asking him randomly uh, when I went over to his house one time. There's a lot of things where I'm like, oh, where would be the funniest thing for this to happen? <laughs> Let's pretend it's a family dinner. Um 
Uh, well, my mind was racing when that was happening. I was thinking, when did she pull the microphone out? Yeah. How did this go? Was it after the second glass of wine? Did she wait for the third? <laughs> what was going on? Was it dessert? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so much nicer to be able to paint like a picture with your words in that way and rather than for it to be some sort of bland other situation. A lot of it is true, but some of the um, scenarios, I was like, where's the where's the best way? What's the best way that I could possibly do this? But yes, um, I did ask him if he would do a vasectomy on uh, Nick and Nick was not into it he was not into the idea of having his balls cut by his dad by his father yeah yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe or by someone else but not the father yeah people are on the subject matter are pretty intense about you know how they want to raise their kids and and what they're going to do in these first few months and just general parenthood How's the response been from the audience of the podcast? Really um, mixed, actually. Mostly very positive. Like, I've had so much great feedback on my Instagram messages. I had um, someone, like, pretty nasty feedback about the nappy episode with people not actually listening to it and um, hearing from someone else in the nappy community. It is, like, a really wild community of lefties. Really? That um, I was saying that you should use disposable nappies and that reusables are too hard. I was certainly not sugarcoating my experience of reusables and um, that was their problem, that I wasn't, like, just advocating that people should use cloth nappies all the time. So, yeah, people wrote me some really nasty things wow. on, like, Facebook messages. So I couldn't believe it, actually. Triggered nappy trolls yeah which is a, a whole world and i i th- wondered if it might um which is why i included like this line in the final episode where i said you know and i i, I do use reusable nappies and i think that they're great and i was like why am i pleasing the people <laughs> yeah i know but i i'm like i guess i do want people to know i have been still using them but i they're not easy to use and i'm not going to pretend otherwise do you engage with these people who kind of feedback this stuff or um at triple j we are always told like not to mm. um but i did yeah Glutton um, <laughs> for punishment. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes when you're just like alone and it's ten o'clock at night and you're watching TV and you see someone said it and you're like, ah, I'm just gonna write back. But you shouldn't. And then I would like if they said something mean again, I would just not write back again. I would be like, huh, I won. I didn't. <laughs> you shouldn't engage, though. I reckon it's bad. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? The haters. Yeah. Oh. Well. Oh, look, we love your podcast. 20 minutes, eight episodes, got through it in almost no time. I'm not in the same situation as Jules where I've not invested in this space at all. Mm. And I loved it, ate it up, and feel wiser for it. But what are some podcasts you're into? Well, the last podcast that I listened to was Steen Raskopoulos' new podcast, which is fully improvised. Um, gosh darn, what's it called? Congratulations on your... Something like that. No. Anyway... Let me look that up. But it's basically he gets um, famous people like Hamish Blake or Reese Darby, um, great improvisers on, and Steen Raskopoulos is an amazing improviser. He interviews them about a project that does not exist. It's right. completely unscripted. And so he's like, congratulations on the book. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you, you loved dinosaurs eat women or whatever. And you're like, yeah. And so then they talk about the um, project. And it's a pretty fun listen. Awesome. Hmm. Is it like a half hour, hour? Yeah, 40 minutes was the one I listened to yesterday. One second, I just want to see what it's called. Congratulations on the new... That's what it's called. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Do you think it could be a better name? I think it's a pretty good name. 
Oh, do you? Not memorable, though. I didn't remember it, did I? (laughs) Just what was the last bit? (laughs) Um, Yeah, congratulations on the new. And uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. And then uh, we always like to talk to our guests about any advice you would give to wannabe podcasters or even radio hosts or anything in that audio landscape. Oh, well, I mean, don't do something within the first three months of your baby's life, I reckon. (laughs) An experience podcast was really cool, like making yourself go through a thing. I used to talk with Lewis about that all the time because there's always articles about like, I quit sugar for a year. I um, didn't have sex for a year or whatever. It's like a great leaping off point for a book or something. And so I always knew in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I could do a thing where I don't do a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Waste. That's it. That's my thing. So, yeah, that's that'd be a great way if you're thinking of making a podcast. Stop doing a thing and document your journey about stopping doing the thing. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's covered everything. Thanks very much for the time, Veronica. Yeah. And except don't make it stop doing a podcast. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. My journey to stop doing a podcast is three episodes <laughs> and then it finishes. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Podcast. We'll be back with another episode next week. See you then.